Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, you know what? We are. We're looking at him as an outside linebacker in our scheme. And, uh, you know, I think that everyday drills that we do where we're seeing them on the tape and they're, they're getting a chance to work the skill set over and over was required to play the position. So he's been a good surprise for us. You know, I think he's finally healthy. And, uh, you know, so we're just, I think we're uh, very optimistic about where he's at at this point. Now, again, we haven't had pads on. And, uh, you know, when the bullets fly, let's see. But so far, so good with him at that position move. That's Gus Bradley talking about Tanner Muse, uh, third-round pick last year uh, out of Clemson. And, you know, you're starting to see this more and more in professional football where guys like Tanner Muse, who played safety in college, are moving back, are moving down uh, to linebacker uh, in the NFL. Linebacker has become a crazy, crazy, crazy type of a position. Remember when we were kids and younger watching football, um, you know, a linebacker, you had to have that big, rugged middle linebacker who, you know, was just basically, a, a, you know, built a wall in front of the run game. And that was his job, fill holes and make the tackle at the line of scrimmage. Um, but football has changed. And so, like, the Harry Carsons and the Dick Buckuses and, you know, those traditional 250-pound, 260-pound uh, middle linebacker, linebackers um, who stayed close to the line of scrimmage and were basically, um, you know, insured or, or just their, the line of defense that they were playing was in was in run defense. That's changed. And offenses got wiser and smarter. They took a little bit of a page from college football and began spreading things out uh, with faster players, you know, taking – going with three, four wide receivers, taking the fullback out of the equation, sometimes going empty with no running back, lining five guys uh, out um, in, in, in pass, uh, you know, assignments that, that were able, eligible and uh, lined up out wide, all of that type of stuff. And basically what it's trying to do, obviously, is create as many mismatches as possible. So what you want to end up doing is get a faster guy on a slower guy. That's basically what you're doing. Um, a taller guy against a smaller guy, a smaller, faster guy against a bigger, slower guy. You know, so the 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 days of that middle linebacker, just rugged guy that basically was just a run uh, defender and was asked to do very, very little in pass coverage. That's obsolete. That doesn't even exist anymore. And so defenses have traded bulk, some power, weight in favor of more sleek, faster um, guys that can move around a little bit better, guys that can defend, you know, uh, sideline to sideline, but more importantly, guys who could run with tight ends, guys who can run uh, with, with running backs in pass coverage, guys who can run with wide receivers sometimes in pass coverage. How hard is that? I mean, think about that. So what do you, 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 you it, there's a, comes a point in time where, you know, physics comes into play and you can't ask, a guy, a Raquan McMillan, let's say. Remember him? He was a big run-thumping defensive uh, linebacker. 15 years ago, he might have been a Pro Bowl-type linebacker. Literally, literally, that's how good he was at stopping the run and, and being a factor in that part of the game. Where he 
gets exposed is having to defend the pass. And so guys like that, unfortunately, are becoming not so much obsolete, but fewer and fewer. And so one way to be able to keep up and make sure that you're bringing in somebody that closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, that's going to be able to, to run, you know, with, with some of the uh, defensive assignments that they're asked that they're being asked to cover is to take guys that were safeties in college, bulk them up a little bit and move them to the line of scrimmage where you're not necessarily, where you're not sacrificing any speed from what they'd played at safety. Um, and they're, they're big enough to also be rugged, uh, but they're fast and swift and athletic enough to cover lots of ground and stick with wide receivers. So you can't, it's hard to ask a traditional linebacker to cut the weight and then become something that they really aren't. So what you have to do is you take one of those bigger safeties, i.e. a Tanner Muse at Clemson, um, and, and slide them further down the field and make them a linebacker and where they can be the run defenders that they show that they could be at safety because there's a lot of run defense uh, as far as being a safety, but also be able to run in pass coverage. Tanner Muse is a guy that that's that's undergoing that transition. There's plenty of history um, in the NFL now where that's been a successful transition. It doesn't always work, and the Raiders are going to see if it does with Tanner Muse. Uh, but the hope is that he's going to be somebody that has the physical girth to be the run stopper that you need him to be at linebacker, but also the swiftness and the athletic ability and the speed and the coverage technique and fundamentals to be able to be an asset in, in pass coverage. Another player that they're doing that with is divine Diablo, the rookie from Virginia tech and divine Diablo, much like Tanner Muse was a safety in college and he is being asked to move to linebacker in the NFL. Now, uh, Divine hasn't signed his contract yet, so uh, while he's been participating in just about everything um, under the sun with the Raiders over at the practice facility uh, in Henderson, including that rookie program that they put these guys through, uh, he hasn't been on the field uh, that I've seen. I'll, it'll be interesting to see if he's out there for mandatory minicamp. We'll see. But in the voluntary aspect of it, um, he's because he hasn't signed his contract, that's what I'm kind of presuming He's sort of protecting himself, has every right to do that, uh, but is in there and in the building and taking part uh, and doing everything else other than the on-field drills part of it. Uh, But much like Tanner Muse, uh, Divine Diablo, and I love that name, is making that transition from from safety to linebacker. And uh, here's Gus Bradley talking about Divine Diablo and his transition so far. Well, I think what off a of tape and what we saw, very, very good understanding of pass concepts in the, in the passing game. Just understands the whole gamut, whether it's man, zone, split safety, just a really good understanding. That's his background as being a safety. So when he came in, a lot of the different things we saw, we were very impressed with how fast he picked up on the concepts. The run game is that we need to see. We can't wait to get him in pass because I think he'll be a fast developer in that aspect. But that's where he needs his, most of his work. That's Gus Bradley talking about uh, Divine Diablo. And, you know, you hear it in Gus's voice and, and you know, even, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the interactions that I have uh, with, with folks. But I don't think you understand how anxious these guys want to start seeing these guys in pads, you know, um, and it's a process. No, no, no doubt about it. And they understand that process. 
uh, they understand like it's there's so much teaching going on. And again, I can't stress this enough. This wasn't available to teams across the league last year. The Raiders included this 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 time of year. So so much teaching got sacrificed. Yes, there were Zoom meetings up the yin-yang uh, all throughout off-season last year. Uh, but there's only so much you can do on on, on Zoom. Um, and that's it. That's your, your, You're so limited. And what you don't have, what you truly don't have, is that interaction, being able to look somebody in the eye and understand, are you getting this? Are you understanding this? Uh, is there something else that we can do? Is there a better way that we can that we can uh, teach you? Uh, and and you know, when you're in a, a a situation where there is actual interaction, human interaction, think about it when you were in school, whatever level of school you were in, high school, college, uh, especially high school. If you're not getting it, you raise your hand, you know. And sometimes maybe it's during a study period where the co- the the teacher came over to your desk or wherever the case might be, and you're like, man, I, I'm not getting this. I was in that situation far too often, and but I'm not afraid to admit it, especially when it came to math. I sucked at math. Um, and so, you know, the teacher would come over and spend a couple of extra minutes with you trying to trying to uh, enhance it or, or establish it or, or, you know, get you to understand it a little bit easier. Well, it, there's no difference here in, in football. What, 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 what is anything other than learning how to do something and having a coach teaching it to you. That's what coaching is. It's teaching. And you as the football player, um, in some settings, you're the pupil. Everyone everyone understands that. Uh, only in this case, um, instead of the boomer or the, the, the delayed reaction when you're in high school or college learning something, is that you're eventually going to apply it in your real life, whether it's in the workforce or whatever it is that you choose to do. In football, you're learning it in the classroom during the day. And an hour later, you're on the field putting it to use. And then eventually on a Sunday afternoon or a Monday night or whatever the case might be, you're actually performing it in front of millions upon millions of of, of people. So the rapid uh, process of learning it and then applying it is literally in real time. uh, And it's an ongoing process. And so for Coaches like John Gruden and Gus Bradley, trust me when I say, they are itching, itching to move it to that next level. Um, and in this case, it's, you know, once you know that the, the team is getting it and understanding it and has a command of it, being able to see them carry it all out uh, with paths on when when the physicality element of it comes into play. And another team, uh, even if it's maybe a teammate, you know, in, in, during training camp, but especially during preseason and the regular season, to see how these guys react in that setting, how they're able to apply what they've been learning to the field. And then not only that, not only being where you're supposed to be carrying out your assignment, but also catching the field of the football, you know, breaking tackles, running it, uh, showing instincts, tackling the guy, um, you know, making an interception, going up and tipping the ball away, all of the things that it's the last layer. It's the, it's that final, um, uh, you know, when you're, when you're painting something, it's that final stroke of paint, that last layer that you put to it. It's kind of like, you know, um, uh, Grew up basically in Los Angeles, wrote a couple of scripts, saw how movies get made, been on, um, you know, uh, 
in studio or, or on a movie set or a TV station set, you have your writers, you have all of that, you have rehearsal, you have, you know, um, everyone's walking, you have walkthroughs, literally walkthroughs. And then finally, at some point, whether it's a play or uh, a TV show or a movie, somebody says action and you actually act it out. You actually perform it. And that's where the last... Uh, uh, you know, uh, paint comes into play. That's the, that's when the when the actor puts his touch or her touch uh, onto it and their emphasis onto it. Look, it's one thing to know the lines, but it's 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 another thing to to deliver it in a way that's you know has meaning and impact and is is what the director wants. Um, and sometimes they take you know the actor or actress takes it to a whole other level. It's the same thing in football. You're learning what to do, but at some point you got to go make the play you have to actually perform and in football there's this whole thing just like in any sport um where there's that fine line between doing what you're supposed to do doing what you're asked to do but then making the play and sometimes it's uh improvising sometimes it's breaking off and seeing something on the field and going to make a play and so there's that fine line of all that long story short John Gruden, Gus Bradley, while they understand how important things are right now as far as the teaching and the implementing uh, and the installing and guys just learning the basics of what they're uh, being asked to do at whatever position that they're playing in this particular scheme, in this particular system, whether it's offense or defense, there's a huge emphasis being put on that. They really want to see it <laughs> on the field. You know, it's kind of getting to that point where they're like, okay, these guys are starting to understand it. These guys are starting to see it. Like Gus Bradley talking about Tyree Gillespie, uh, Gus Bradley talking about Trayvon Merrig. Hey, we're starting to see it click, you know, um, mentally. He's starting to understand it, and we see it, how he's picking it up in those walkthroughs where he's supposed to be. He is where he's supposed to be against that offensive look against that setting against 11 personnel or 23 personnel or, or, or 12 personnel, you know, when that guy goes in motion, he's picking all that stuff up and that's really cool to see and really good to see. Cause that's 70% of the battle, but man, can't wait to see what, where he takes it. Once those pads come on and the bullets start flying and you're asked to now also make plays that's the uh that's the that's the final um ingredient and that's what separates you know uh the good players from the great players and i think we're kind of getting to that point where and you know i've been stressing this for so long why this uh point of the year is so important is because they've they've gone through it yesterday was the last day of otas ahead of minicamp which starts tuesday of next week and then there's a three-day minicamp and it's off baby Till training camp. Can you believe that? The next time the Raiders converge together as a football team after Thursday of next week will be July 27th over in Henderson to start training camp. That's where we are right now. And, you know, you, you hear things and from coaches and how excited and anxious and uh, fired up. I think that's the best way to put it. Fired up to to start seeing these guys um, in with like what did Gus Bradley say the bullets flying you know when 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 it really starts starts happening um, I think they're going to get a little bit of a taste of that uh, obviously they'll they'll open the preseason against the Seattle Seahawks a week later 
or a few days later, really, they're going to be heading to Los Angeles. And it looks like they're probably going to go earlier in the week to have a joint practice uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. I'm really excited to, to get back uh, to my old haunting grounds and my old home and see some old friends. Um, by the way, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you caught this, but Sean McVay, uh, I know Sean McVay pretty well. And uh, Sean McVay, in, in one of his, as usual, fired up moments, and this guy is as positive, energetic, passionate as anyone I've ever seen, ever. And he's he's on the fast track to greatness. And I've told him this. I go, hey, man, I've covered Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, Tommy Lasorda, Pete Carroll. You know, in my years in Los Angeles, I could go on and on. You got what that it factor is. You got it, man. And uh, and uh, I'm, I'm convinced of it. Anyway, one of the most positive people I've ever worked with, covered, whatever, in my entire life. Yesterday, somebody asked him about how he just seems really happy right now. And, um, you know, he said, heck, yeah, I'm happy, you know. And, and one of the things that he's happy about, and he expressed this, was like, I, I got this guy as my quarterback, you know, Matthew Stafford. Well, a lot of people took that to mean a slight towards Jared Goff. And on social media and out there, that's kind of what the story was. I'm just telling you, there, that's just not part of his mentality, <laughs> Sean McVay. He's not wired that way. You know, his thing was he's super excited to be working with uh, – Matthew Stafford, but that doesn't mean he doesn't respect and appreciate Jared Goff. And I know that, just trust me when I say, because just trust me on that, um, that that's not what he meant, even though people took it that way. And, you know, he, he later came back to apologize because that's also the kind of guy he is. He said, hey, man, I just want to clear this up, even though I hate that I even have to say this because, you know, I didn't mean anything by it. But in no way was I trying to slight Jared Goff. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. Sean McVay and Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl together. You can say what you want about Jared Goff. You can say what you want about how things kind of ended uh, and the Rams wanting to go get uh, a different quarterback, somebody in Matthew Stafford who they believe is, a, is is somebody that will play consistently better, especially in Sean McVay's system. But, it's, but when I say that Jared Goff will always have a role in bringing football back to Los Angeles in a major way that he won a division title. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl in his first year as the starting quarterback division uh, championships, third, second year as a starting quarterback to the Super Bowl. He, it, that's not like he rescued the Rams or rescued football in Los Angeles, but it was teetering when the Rams came back. It was an embarrassment that first year. Well, that second year with Jared Goff and Sean McVay working uh, together, they turned it around and went to the playoffs. A year later, they were in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff will always have a place in Los Angeles lore for that. And for Sean McVay, a young coach uh, who, who, who hitched his wagon to Jared Goff, he understands the importance that Jared Goff played in his career as well. So uh, anyone who thinks that there was anything to that, need to get a life. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Bahara. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. 
It's one of my favorite times of the week. It's when we get to welcome in our good friend and teacher, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, call him that because that's exactly what he is, uh, Dr. Robert Odell uh, from the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas. By the way, uh, you can give them a call 702-257-7246. Like we continue to say every single week, just because you're getting older doesn't mean you have to deal with pain. It's not synonymous. Uh, getting old is inevitable. Having to deal with pain is not. There's remedies. There's procedures. There's people like Dr. Robert Odell over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, that can help you uh, alleviate that pain. And it's easy and it's cost effective uh, and they're pleasant to work with. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. Dr. Robert Odell, how are you doing this week? Doing great, Vinny. Thank you for the nice introduction. I appreciate it. You got it, and I mean every word of it. And I got to ask you before we get into uh, what we're going to talk about this week. Um, I'm not sure if you watched the hockey game uh, last night. Uh, obviously, the Golden Knights, um, you know, uh, punched their ticket to the next round. They're one step away from uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, I'm not the biggest hockey fan out there, but when it gets to this point point in the year, when it's something local, um, you kind of get into it. You get fired up about it. How cool was it to see your city on that stage last night? The way it was. Uh, the, the way it was, and um, and how anxious are you to see it continue to get elevated as uh, the next round approaches? My, I think those are the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, I shouldn't say that because anything can happen. Just like baseball, there's statistics involved. Uh, if you look at those shots in slow motion and how they weave their way through, like some of that is like hitting a fastball. But I, I have to admit, Vinny, I'm an old guy. I usually go to bed at eight. My wife woke <laughs> me up that they won, but. You know, having said that, I can't wait to go to my can't wait to go to my first game because I've never been to a hockey game. We got some tickets offered, and I sent my staff, and they said it's just so much different than watching it on TV. I think yes, you can it, probably it, see the puck a little. You can see the puck a little easier than on television. You, yeah, you could definitely see the puck uh, easier, and uh, the speed and power of the sport um, definitely shines through uh, when you're when you're actually there. And I'm with you. Um, I feel like I feel like the two teams. The Colorado uh, Avalanche and 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 uh, the Golden Knights of Las Vegas, to me, just watching it, it looked like they are clearly the best two teams in the NHL. And after those first couple of games, especially that first game, um, and and the way you know Colorado was was rested, uh, you know the Golden Knights had to play seven games to get past Minnesota. Colorado was kind of laying in wait for them, and they they looked fresh and rested and all of that. And the way Colorado played in that first game, I just felt like this is a really good team and the Golden Knights are going to have to kick it up into a higher gear to match up. And that's exactly which, what they did. they did. Yeah. Uh, Robin, Robin Lerner uh, lives in my complex, as, done, as does uh, Marsha show. And, you know, one was the peer run and one had a really bad game. I just hope it doesn't affect him because he's a hell of a goalie, you know. We always Robin. love when Dr. Odell name drops um I, I i i like that i always like uh when he does and we are going to be you know rooting for the golden knights uh to see them uh, hopefully close this thing out it'll be great for them it'll be great for uh las vegas all right so dr odell something came across my um radar uh just a couple of days ago actually and i immediately thought about you and um uh, just to kind of sur- uh, summarize before I get your thoughts about all of this, uh, the NFL has announced uh, just within the last couple of days uh, that they are offering $1 million in grants to fund research of the benefits and safety 
of cannabis and CBD for treating pain in athletes. Uh, so obviously, you being um, you know uh, in the line of work that you're that you are uh, being the head over there at um, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, I immediately thought about you. And number one, um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I didn't ask you. Uh, I wanted to wait till we got on the air to talk about it. Just your initial reaction to that, what, what they're, the direction that they may be taking this in, what do you feel about that? Well, I tried smoking pot once and I, I couldn't handle it, just like Mr. Clinton. It killed me. <laughs> so I never smoked it. <laughs> I never tried it again. I'm not a big fan of marijuana. There's some studies that show that it changes genetics and all that. Having said that, you know, there's a mountain of literature there that I'm probably not familiar with, and I personally take CBD to sleep. I think that studies like this are, are going to be good. I don't think $1 million is going to go very far. I wish they would put some of that money into energy medicine, which, as you know, is what I do. We use electricity for which there's you know, no side effects unless you drop a machine on somebody's foot. But having said that, I'm, I think it's salutary that they're uh, going with a flow and, and uh, are, going to, are going to recognize this might be a possibility because a lot of people are assisted by most, most of my patients with CBD, not necessarily THC, although a few of them um, are taking that, and it does help them. I'm glad you mentioned that um, because, you know, uh, a couple of things come to mind. Number one, what they're really trying to do is, uh, it sounds like anyway, is, is curtail the use of uh, opioids. Um, I watched a... Uh, on, on the Vice channel, it's a it's a channel on on um, you know the, the network, or excuse me uh, cable TV, uh, but they have this show right now. It's called uh, the Dark Side of Football, and they went back. This is a while ago. Uh, it's not anything that hopefully isn't going on uh, right now. But back twenty twenty five years ago, this one player was talking about former player that you know there was sort of an open door policy. That you go into a room and every pill, every medicine, every painkiller, anything that you needed was right there available to you. It was like going into a candy store. You could take whatever you want. There was no real um, oversight, you know, and and it was basically just do what you got to do to be able to get out there and practice and be able to get out there and, and play. And with the money involved, um, careers being as short as they are, your opportunity to maximize your ability in a, in a financial way is very limited. And guys do whatever they can do to stay on the field. We get that. It's human nature. Um, but obviously, a problem was created as a result of that. And it sounds like they're trying to figure that out a little bit better. Um, do, you, do you agree with the trying to get off or curtail the opioid part of it? Uh, you know, I do. I, I will add that if my patients have acute pain, I will give them tramadol or low-dose opioids. Mm-hmm. Uh, no problem. The pendulum is swung too far in the other direction. I'm not a pill pusher. I, I only give the medicines out if they ask for it, and I'll try muscle relaxants and uh, NSAIDs first. But but I do I do agree with you that they are on the right track, and I, I believe that those practices are uh, are despicable. And and I'm hoping that no you know nobody died from an overdose. Uh, I suspect if they did, it may have been buried, but uh, um, it's certainly uh, a much healthier situation now when things are more above board and open book. When you see, and we're talking to Dr. Robert O'Dell uh, from the Neuropathy and Pain Center here in Las Vegas, when you see that you know uh, the powers that be are at least open 
to looking at different ways to now treat pain that don't include, you know, just just throwing a bunch of pills at somebody. I would imagine that that kind of opens the door for what you're doing. And um, yes, you know, they, they have clearly said that they're open, open to looking at cannabis and CBD, but I would imagine that there's some, uh, and I don't even want to use the word alternative methods because I don't consider what you're doing alternative. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's in the mainstream. It's, it's there and it's available. It's the Nexus machine in their locker room as soon as possible. Same with the Golden Knights. I really do. I mean, it's ridiculous because the thing works so well. It's just amazing. Uh, we've talked Can, about it before, and it just uh, whatever it's going to take, you know. I have some extra ones here because I had to close a few offices because of Medicare shenanigans, and I even, you know, give it to them to try for a while. But it's tremendous for acute pain, for acute injuries. It's tremendous. And, and isn't that what we're dealing with <laughs> with professional yes. athletes? I mean, it's right injuries. up to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, can I ask you if there's been if there has been resistance, um, what the what the reason for that resistance is, or is it just a lack of education? I haven't tried yet. I was waiting for you to talk. Ah. To I was, I was going to talk to Ryan about getting in there. You know, you know, um, Vinny. I'm a doctor. I'm not a salesman. If somebody doesn't want to block, I say fine. Um, one of my colleagues from San Diego worked for me for a year, and he talked a bunch of my patients into spinal cord simulators, which I never could do. And that's great. You know, they, some of them got them, and they benefited really well. I'm just, I'm just not a, you know, a silver-tongued smoothie. I mean, I'd make a terrible plastic surgeon working for cash. It's just the way I am. I, I just tell them what it is, and the patient can decide, you know, whatever, whatever treatment they want. The one that makes us the most money or the one that makes us the least, I, I'm more than happy to have them, you know, decide which, which treatment they want because it's the patient's body, and they really are the one that need to decide. Same thing with the athlete, although I agree with you, it's a much more highly charged situation because of the unfortunate money involved. I mean, you know, as you said. But, and, and what's crazy about that is there's a lot of rich people, um, above and beyond professional athletes, uh, that themselves are they able to pay a doctor or whatever the case might be to get what they want. And that's the, no, that's I hope the, not. I hope that those days are gone. I mean, there's evidence that the, that the doctor that uh, uh, supposedly killed Elvis Presley in Tennessee, it wasn't his fault. It was written by a, a, a well-known physician here, who, you know, that was whitewashed, that he really didn't cause Presley to have the overdose. I'm not going to say it was, but there's, there's good evidence that that's what it was, and the Tennessee doctor took the fall. You know, what can I say? It's, it's a sad situation. Although, remember, prescription drug abuse is much more fentanyl heroin than it is the scripts that we write. But I, I, I digress. No, and I totally understand that. I think that's an important uh, distinction uh, to, to make. Um, and we are going to uh, help get you uh, into into that building, whether it is Golden Knights uh, or the Raiders, because what you're doing uh, is a value, and it's a it's 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 exactly what they should be looking at. Now, you know, I, I, I do I do want to I do want a minute to tell you guys a story. I think the listener will love this story. Yes, if I may. Um, Absolutely. My, my grandmother lived in Narberth, Pennsylvania. So her, her name, last name was Davis, and it was Davis's Drugstore. In 1921, the NFL was created on a napkin in, in Davis's, uh, Davis's store, uh, right down the street from where my mom grew up. Uh, just amazing. It, it really happened. It was on a napkin in Narberth, Pennsylvania, on the main line in Philadelphia. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah, that is, I can't remember the people that did it. I, I used to. I have to look it up, but uh, uh, it's uh, these kind of stories are just awesome. 
You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Dr. And Odell. I remember, uh, I remember being at Davis's and having Coke with a cherry in it. You know, one of my favorite drinks, I only have one a day, but it's a diet cherry Coke. Uh, diet Coke Zero, I mean. Oh, I remember those days with a soda fountain, you know, and the oh, cherry yeah. in it. Oh, and I was like six or seven watching the steam engines on the main line. That is awesome. In the 50s. Anyway, I'm dating myself, but whatever. That is awesome. I love it. Uh, Dr. Odell, thanks so much for spending some time with us uh, in the huddle on uh, on a Friday. Again, uh, call Dr. Odell, the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, here in Las Vegas, 702-257-7246. I can't stress it enough, whether it's yourself, whether it's your mom, your uncle, your father, your brother, uh, an older cousin, whatever the case might be, we all know somebody that's living on a daily basis with pain, needlessly so. And maybe you assume or they assume uh, that it's just something that you have to deal with because you're getting older. Well, Dr. Uh, Odell will set you straight in the kindest possible way. It's in a, it's, it's cost effective. Uh, he's great to deal with. The whole staff is uh, over there. They're we there have, to help. We have help a lot of fun. Take- we take no prisoners. <laughs> I Yeah, and, and that always comes across uh, as well. So please, please, please. Call them, 702-257. When are you going to the grill, man? The Kona Grill? Um, we're hoping uh, when the season starts. Um, so so a couple more months, a couple more months. But uh, but I'll that is hopefully. i tomorrow afternoon. We're having an office party. Love to see you. If you're oh, nice. I love that. Uh, thank you very much uh, for trains, the invite. Trains uh, running and everything. It'll be fun. Beautiful. All right. Do- Dr. Odell, thank you. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right. Well, you know, Max has done a great job in the offseason. I know in his mind he's been in the best shape he has been. Uh, he's lean. He's turned in for an alpha for us, you know, on the field and uh, brings tremendous leadership. So he's uh, a big attention to detail, but uh, he. Just the way he goes about every day in practice and how he works with Coach Marinelli, Coach Smith, you know, on that defensive line. He can't get enough of him, and he's really trying to refine every aspect. So in his mind, I think he is an every snap guy, you know, so, and that's how we want it, you know. But he also knows for, you know, it's going to take everybody to go where we want to go. It's Gus Bradley, uh, the Raiders defensive coordinator, talking about Max Crosby, and I can attest uh, to to what uh, Gus said. And, you know, I put this out on Twitter uh, yesterday and, and basically saying that one of my main takeaways was how incredibly good shape Max Crosby is in. And somebody said, you know, how can, how much more shape can he be in? He's, you know, was in great shape last year. And, and my response was, and I wasn't trying to be, um, you know, uh, Hotty or, or or anything like that or or you know um, argumentative, but I, I I just have to say like when, when you've been doing it as long as I've been doing it and you see these guys the way I've seen them up close for as many years as I've had even the most it, you could be in the the great shape but that doesn't mean you um, can't be in even better shape and so um, you know a guy like Max Crosby just looks like he's in better shape than he was last year. He looks leaner. Um, he looks explosive. He looks strong. Uh, he's been really vocal in, in uh, you know, 
the periods that I've been watching him, I've been over by the defensive lineman. He's been very encouraging, um, you know, talking to some of the younger players like Malcolm Kuntz and giving them instructions and things like that. Uh, but yes, he's in better shape. You can tell it's visible. And at that level, even the, um, even the slightest bit of change is noticeable. Like you can tell when somebody's just a little bit more ripped than the ripped that they were before. It's, it's just how it is. Uh, and for, you know, for, for Raider fans, that should be really encouraging um, how serious Max Crosby has taken this and, and what he's done to kind of change his body a little bit. Um, and it's very, very noticeable. And that should translate to an even better season. And, you know, I've been critical of Max Crosby um, at times. And I felt like last year there were some, whether it was schematically, um, whether it was playing too many downs, um, whatever the case might be, there were some areas of, of his game where he struggled. And um, I think in run defense, he struggled. I think uh, pass rush efficiency, uh, he struggled. Yes, you know, Max Crosby has been able to get sacks, but the game of football is more than, 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 than just sacks. And, um, you know, it's what are you doing, you know, on the downs where you're not getting sacks? Are you still being productive? Are you still being an asset? And there were times where he wasn't. And, you know, that's, I'm, you know, I'm not here to be critical of Max Crosby or point fingers at Max Crosby, just kind of calling it like I see it. And, um, and one of the things that I think that the Raiders can do uh, to, to get him or to increase that efficiency is to play him less. And I've been saying that for a, a long time now. Uh, Max Crosby played 200 more snaps in 2020 or 200 or so. Um in, in 2020 compared to 2019 and his efficiency dropped. He was a better, more efficient player in 2019 playing fewer snaps. He had more sacks. He his his numbers, you know, relative to the snaps um, were better, just flat out better. And there were still some areas that he needed to improve on. And I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you that in that first year, as far as strength and holding up against the run uh, and being an asset in, in, in that part of the game. And I'm sure he's still uh, working on that. Uh, but, but what about his clap back of him just being injured? I don't, I didn't take that as a clap back. Um, I'm just at saying all. that like, he was like, that could be, you're like, Oh, he wasn't as good as in the second year's year one. He was playing through, he, he was playing, playing through. Injury. Yeah. Yeah, but he was still out there, and you know, and uh, his efficiency just dropped last year. Whether it was the injuries, whether it was fatigue, whether it was some things that he needs to work on um, as as a football player, it all kind of played into it. And I think that um, I think that playing less snaps in a more defined role is going to make Max Crosby a more efficient football player. I think you can. I think he could do more with less. Um, if that makes sense, especially situationally, especially in, um, you know, uh, on plays that that uh, allow him to do what he does best. And that's get after the quarterback rather than, you know, having to also hold up against the run. And trust me when I say teams attacked Max Crosby in the run game. They did. He was one of the you know, what are teams going to do? They're going to attack the weak link. That's what football is. Uh, you 
Look at basketball. What do you think they do in basketball? They find the mismatch and exploit it. That's what your goal is almost every time you take the ball down the court. Find the matchup that's most favorable and let that guy do his thing. Uh, You're trying to you know, in basketball, you're setting screens to free up a, a player. Uh, you're, you're setting screens, forcing teams to switch on defense. And all of a sudden, you know, LeBron James is being guarded by a guy that shouldn't be defending him. But because you executed the screen perfectly or the play perfectly, now you've got the matchup. Well, in football, it's the same thing. And, you know, uh, this isn't pointing fingers or anything like that. But if you're going to run at somebody on the Raiders defense, it's going to be Max Crosby over Clee Farrell. Clee Farrell plays well against the run and, um, and, and, and Max Crosby hasn't, but anyway, more importantly to all of that, I think by streamlining his role and Gus Bradley just said it, he, he's going to fight for every play to be on the field. He feels like he's a down and down play that clip again, actually, Devon. Right. Well, you know, Max has done a great job in the offseason. I know in his mind he's been in the best shape he has been. Uh, he's lean. He's turned in for an alpha for us, you know, on the field and uh, brings tremendous leadership. So he's uh, a big attention to detail, but uh, he, just the way he goes about every day in practice and how he works with Coach Marinelli, Coach Smith, you know, on that defensive line, he can't get enough of him. And he's really trying to refine every aspect. So in his mind, I think he is an every snap guy, you know, so, and that's how we want it, you know, but he also knows for, you know, it's going to take everybody to go where we want to go. Yeah. And that's basically, that's Gus Bradley saying, and, and, you know, tipping the cap to Max Crosby, he, you're going to have a fight on your hands with Max Crosby. If you're trying to get him off the, off the field, that's just how he's wired and it's gotten him this far and it's to be commended. That's an admirable, admirable trait without question. But, and, you know, um, uh, part of what Gus Bradley and Rod Marinelli um, might have to do is sit Max Crosby down and say, hey, look, just because you're playing fewer snaps, um, because Yannick Ngakwe is here and there's some other players as well, and there's some other schemes and, and, and whatnot, it's not a slight. And I would say this, late in games, if the other team is throwing the ball, has to throw the ball to come back and plays need to be made, I'm going to guarantee you that Max Crosby is going to be one of the big players on that team on the, on the field at that point. But because he's going to play less snaps, fewer snaps probably during the course of the game, he's going to be in a better position uh, to excel in those situations. What did Gus Bradley talk about? Being able to get to those two-minute situations late in games with as fresh a legs as possible. And what did he just say there? Max is going to understand that it's going to take everybody. And whether he starts or doesn't start, um, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. Whoever, whether it's Ngakwe that starts the game or Max Crosby that starts the game, uh, you're going to see both of those players rotate in and out along with Carl Nassib, along with uh, Clee Farrell, who I think is kind of the anchor of this defense um, because you do still have to stop the run. Um you know, and he's probably going to move inside in, in passing situations, allowing somebody that rushes the passer better to rush alongside him right off of his his his, uh, his right hip. Um, but it's going to work better. And Gus Bradley t- talked about that, throwing waves at teams, throwing a bunch of bodies. You're going to see 
Carl Nassib. You're going to see uh, Malcolm Kuntz. You're going to see uh, Clee Farrell. You're going to see Max Crosby. You're going to see Yannick Ngakwe. Think about all the names that we're, we're naming right now. All those guys are capable of getting after the quarterback. Um, and, and you're going to see that. And by the end of games and the end of seasons, the Raiders are going to be better off. It doesn't really matter who starts. Uh, I talked about that to start the, uh, to start the show. Uh, it's going to take all hands on deck. The best thing the Raiders can do is come up with a formidable, effective, deep rotation in that pass rush to get after quarterbacks in games. Because look at the quarterbacks they got to play. Remember that guy Patrick Mahomes up in Kansas City? Yeah. You want to stop Patrick Mahomes, get after him on a play-in, play-out basis from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. You do that by throwing waves of players at him, waves of good players at him. I want to say thanks to Damon Cotton uh, for making us sound good on this Friday and throughout the week. Uh, I want to say thank you to our callers and all of our guests. It was a fun week this week. Looking forward so much uh, to next week um, with uh, mini camps and uh, the three days that we're going to be out there in Henderson, uh, giving you all the news and analysis. We'll be back at it on Monday from uh, 4 to 6 p.m. I want to thank uh, Embajador Tequila. Remember, tonight, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., Aloha Fridays over at Michael T's. Um, you know, it's it's a fun night, and I guarantee you're going to have great food, great drinks, uh, and all of that. And uh, by the way, if you're also looking just to go run to the store uh, to get some Embajador Tequila Liquor World, XO Liquor, Liquor Outlet, Five Star Liquor, all offer Embajador Tequila um, products. Have a great weekend. Have a safe weekend. We will see you again and talk to you again on Monday, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador.